You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lakes Church. Jared preached last week, and uh, the week before I was praying, like, God, I know I'm speaking two weeks. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? And I began to formulate some ideas, and then Jared got up, and he used a, a story. He introduced with a story about a friend named Doug. And I'm like, ah, I want to talk about Doug. Like, I, I knew I was going to talk about Doug. And then he pulled up this verse, and I'm like, ah, you're using some of the verses I'm using. And then uh, he went somewhere, and he led, like, a perfect intro into my message this morning. So kind of cool. He didn't know anything about it and kind of just worked out that way. So this morning, I want to recap a little bit of what Jared said, uh, last week. Um, that is a wonderful picture that I found. That's not what Jared said up there. It's called my message this morning is sent out. If you didn't get that by the title up there. Um, and I found that picture. You, you guys remember those cartoons and stuff like the little, the little hobo with the, the little knapsack on a stick. Like they don't sell those at the store. Like where did, where, where did she get that thing? I, I don't know. It kind of goes with my message later on, but anyway, um, and she looks pretty serious. Like either she's running away, which is kind of sad, or she's doing some serious work. I don't know. I just, at first I thought the picture up there was cute. And now I'm kind of, I don't know. It, it scares me a little bit. Cause what, what is she doing? It's a, it's a sad world that she lives in where she's got this little knapsack and she's running out. But anyway, sent out, uh, let's, let's recap last week's verse. Um, we're going to do 17 through 19. In Second Corinthians, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Last week, Jared preached on what he called matter matters. Remember that? We all said matter matters. And he was talking about how Christ has reconciled us to the Father because of what he's accomplished for us. That God isn't some far off thing that doesn't care about the earth, doesn't care about matter. Like Benny even said about the taste of a cheeseburger, that, that God is involved in everything on earth, everything on earth he created. And God has given us this ministry to reconcile things to himself. He is involved with daily life. He has done something for us at the cross and gave us something to do. Make sense? You guys tracking with me? Matter matters. What you do, your job, everything matters. It matters to him. It's not some distant thing. Making sense? Um, and I was praying, and like Jared was hitting on that verse. I'm like, ah, you're, you're taking them right up to the point where I'm about to start. And... It reminded me of this story of when I, I was hiking. I, I backpack quite often. I've, I've shared a couple stories about backpacking the Appalachian Trail with you guys. And uh, this is my Doug story. So here it is, all right? Um, here's, here's a nice, nice little picture of hiking the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail is not like a smooth little path. It's rocky and pretty dangerous and scary a little bit. I tripped and hurt myself a couple times. Um, but anyway, that's because I have big feet. Anyway, not going there. Um, but we went with um, my brother-in-law and his twin brother, Doug, which Jared and his brothers grew up with Dan and Doug, okay? Like, they lived, like, kind of near each other, and they hung out a, a lot together. Um, Doug was on our hiking trip with me, um, and we're hiking, and we're... That day, we were doing about 13 miles of, of backpacking that day until we got to our campsite. It was our first day out, and um, we're... We're on the trail for maybe less than a mile, and we walk past this little campsite area. <clears throat> and off to of the side, the campsite has, like, one of those, um, it's an iron, like, grate for grilling. Like, you put your hot dogs and stuff on. It's like, but it's really, really old, like, probably 30 years old. And it's, we, he picked it up, and it probably weighed about 30 pounds. I'm just guessing, around 30 pounds. It was, it was a beast of a thing. 
And Doug's like, you know what? I bet our campsite that we get to tonight doesn't have one of these. I should carry this. I'm like, you should carry that, not me. If you want to carry that iron grate the whole way, another 15 miles or whatever, you help yourself. So Doug proceeds to find ways on his backpack to take, like, the strings from zippers and stuff and hook this massive iron grilling grate, whatever you call it, to the back of his backpack as we hike another 11 or 13 so miles through the mountains. And the whole time I'm thinking, Doug, you're insane. Like, your pack already let, – let me tell you how Doug packs his pack – backpacking you're supposed to go super light like lightweight everything doug is the guy who i'm not joking takes tupperware containers fills them with snacks and he's like i might get hungry for peanut butter and jelly so instead of making peanut butter and jelly he carries one of those glass jars uh, where it's half peanut butter half jelly have you already anybody seen those in the store that's doug he's like i want everything i can possibly need for this hike i'm gonna have it all in my pack so his pack already weighs a lot and he decides, I'm gonna, I might need this for my hot dog tonight. So he hooks it to his pack, and we hike through. We get there, and there's one already there. I'm like, Doug, I told you. I told you not to do it. We, he, he hikes that whole thing with that extra weight. And we, the whole time, we were like, Doug, I can't believe you're carrying it. I can't. Dude, how are we going to hook our hot dogs? I'm like, it's called a stick. Like, put it, it's, it's a fire. You don't need that. Um, so that's, that's my Doug story. Um, and. And we talked, Jared talked about this message of reconciliation, and it reminded me of, let's, let's look in Luke here. Uh, this story is also in three of the other Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, this is where Jesus sends his disciples. Um, he says this, and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and then from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Here, here we have the disciples. These aren't like been around for a while, three years of ministry school disciples. These are pretty fresh disciples of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus says this to them. He's like, I'm sending you out, but don't take a thing with you. Like, you're going out to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick. Don't take anything. Nothing. We have this tendency to, with, with the gospel, when, we, when we've already received the word of Christ, we receive the gospel in our lives, and we hear this idea of the Great Commission. We hear that we're called to, to go out. And what we do in, in, in our society is we want to prepare and plan and prep for anything be, before we begin to do anything. Make sense? You go to four years of college to plan for your job, and then you get a job, and you're like, wait a minute, this wasn't at all what I studied for anyway. Or, or you study for a test for hours and hours, and you're like, wait a minute, this wasn't, this wasn't in the book that I read. Why, why are these questions on my page? Make sense? We, this is a culture that we live in that we want to be prepared for everything. Doug wanted to be prepared for something, and he got there, and it was already there anyway. Jesus tells them to do the opposite. He says, go with nothing. Go with nothing. Just go with what I told you and heal the sick. Proclaim the gospel. Um, I thought this was cool as I, as I was reading the commentary. It said, Jesus wanted them to be adequately supplied, but not to the point of ceasing to live by faith. 
And then he also says that the word bag there refers to a beggar's bag. He says, you go out, but you're not, you're not going out as beggars. You're not going out looking for something. You're not going out pre- prepared, but you're also not going out to beg for something. He's saying, you're going out, doing what I told you, and, and having faith in me. Does that make sense? Somebody tracking with me this morning? Um, see, this, like I said, this isn't three years of ministry school. This is, this is fresh to ministry. This is fresh with Jesus' disciples. And they go out, and what's the last verse say there? Uh, I clicked the wrong slide. It says, and they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Exactly what he sent them to do was accomplished. They didn't need to take their backpack. They didn't need to have extra clothes along. They didn't need to have extra money in case something went wrong with their travels. They, did, they just heard the voice of God. They heard him say, do this, and they did that. And he took care of it. Make sense? Let's, let's look at this. Um, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Jared spoke on last week. It says this in verse 18, And he reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, we, we, we as Christians in America, we have a good, well, we're starting to have a good grasp on this idea that reconciliation is for all of us, right? It's, it's a free thing for all of us. But then we tend to separate that from the Great Commission, the second part of that even, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We, we can associate, every one of us can associate, God, I need a Savior, I need you, you saved me. But then we have a hard time grabbing the fact that you gave me the rec- ministry of reconciliation. You gave, you gave us this ministry to do something with, but I'm not, but I'm not prepared. My wife, my wife shared the other week when we were back home about how um, as God was calling us to Scranton, how she sat in a meeting of, of the, the leaders and she walked away there going, I'm not prepared for this. Like I have no training for this. And a couple, like a week or so later was the day that I was getting um, ordained at my, my church. And the guy who was supposed to pray for me, he stopped and he looked at my wife and he began to speak exactly her fears and said, you are prepared for whatever God's calling you to. You are prepared. You are going to be a mother to a city. And he just kept prophesying into her, what every one of her interferes saying, look, you don't need to worry about ministry school or whatever. If God's called you go, he didn't know we were leaving. He had no clue that we were moving to Scranton, but yet he spoke into her. He was confirming in her that God called her to something. We have a hard time with this. If, if, if you're a believer in here and you've been saved for a while and you feel like God's called you to something, sometimes we struggle with the idea that wait, I might not be quite prepared. I might not have taken enough time to plan all the, all the details out. See, we, like I said before, we live in this culture that everything has to, there's, there's so much training for everything. I, I, I work um, at a group home and I took my one resident, he got a job at Walmart and um, his job was to push carts. I spent two weeks on computers with going through training before he could actually start pushing carts. I'm thinking two weeks of training. You're pushing carts. Like they had to prepare him. He doesn't need to know how to rescue the store in case of a, of a bomb scare. He's pushing carts. Like it's not, they prepare for everything. That's the society we live in. We got, we feel like we need to be prepared for everything. Um, 
when we depend on ourselves, something sometimes we, we spend time preparing and, and gathering info, um, and we show up anyway missing something, such as like that test that I said. Like we, we depend on ourselves. I depended on myself for studying, and I showed up lacking something anyway. Who's, who's ever been there? You ever been there? Like, wait a minute. This is, this is not on my flashcards at all. Where, where, where was that at? We, in my Bible college, we had one professor that they actually had a class on how to pass his class. I'm not making that up. I'm thinking, if you've got to do that, something's wrong. Um, luckily, I learned this professor's ways, and I, I did fine in it. Um, but um, we... We, we can, we, when we depend on ourselves, we can get ourselves fo- so focused on something and we end up missing something anyway. The other, the other um, year, Jared and I decided to go to a Phillies game. Thanks, Ron, for, for wearing your Phillies shirt. It makes me happy today. Um, we decided to drive out to a Phillies game, and um, we, we were getting there, and we were running really low on gas. And we only had so much money in our pocket. We're like, we got to get to an ATM when we get there. We don't even have tickets, so we're going to get tickets when we get. So we're pulling into the parking lot. We're actually about to get to where you pay the parking guy. And this guy comes to our window. He's like, hey, you guys want tickets? We're like, yeah, actually we do. So we, we deal with them a little bit. We ended up spending all of our money on the tickets. And we're like, wait, we got to pay to park. We're in the parking line to pay to park. So we pull into the parking place, and we have to have them lead us out of the parking lot because we have no money. And then, we, then we realize, wait, we don't have enough gas to get to the gas station. So we have to figure out a way. Like, we ended up finding this really close. It was ridiculous. Jared, Jared and I laugh about it once in a while. So we found this, like, super crazy gas station. I don't even want to go into the details of that. Get some money. Fill up with gas. We're like, we, we were thinking about the tickets. We were planning for that, but we weren't planning for the parking. Like, when we depend on, you guys ever been there? Like, you know, you leave your house for vacation and you forget your wallet or something like that, you know? Um, that, that's, that's what we tend to do sometimes. Um, back to hiking, my, my friend Matt, this, this blew my mind. Matt is, let me give you a little background on Matt. We're hiking and about a couple miles into it, we stop, sit down, take a break. And um, we start walking a little bit away like another we're about another mile and a half away from our break spot and uh my other friend josh goes hey have you guys seen my cell phone and matt goes well yeah i saw it on the ground back where we took a break we're like what well yeah i thought you put it there why would i put my phone on the ground in the middle of nowhere he's like yeah i just thought so this, this is that's who matt is okay he doesn't really put the pieces together like hey i should tell josh your phone's laying in the middle of the ground here out in the woods so we get we hike 15 miles to our campsite the next morning, he's like, hey, I got pancake stuff to make. I'm like, pancakes? We're hiking. Like, he pulls out this massive jug of liquidized Bisquick, right, like, like a gallon and a half jug. Pours the Bisquick into the pan, but we don't have any butter or anything for the pan, so it sticks. So it turns into this nasty pancake hard mush. It was really bad. Um, well, we were all hungry anyway, so we ate it. But we're like, we, we did. I'm not going to lie. Um, just put a little water in it. It's good. You know, just mush it, mush it around. So we're eating this pancake mush, and one of us is like, man, Matt, you should have should have brought some butter or something. He's like, yeah, my, my mom said I should take some butter, but I told her I didn't have space. I'm thinking, you took a jug of Bisquick, <laughs> but, you, but you couldn't take a stick of butter? Like, or, or even like a little spritzer of butter, something? You, a jug of Bisquick. Like, that's, like he planned, I got to have a good breakfast, but I, I can't. I can't take that along. See, in our own like human plannings, we come up short a lot, don't we? You guys know what I'm talking about? We come up short. And when we depend on ourselves with the gospel, we will fail. 
But the beautiful thing of the gospel and the, and the great commission and, and this up here is that we're not depending on ourselves with the message of reconciliation. We're depending on him who gave us the message of reconciliation, who reconciled us to him. Makes sense? Um, I was, um, I was in, in Africa on my first, I actually have a picture just cause I like pictures. So, um, my first mission, this is my second mission trip to Africa. Um, I was like 20, I guess there that's me. And, and to show how ingenious I am, I'm wearing a Nintendo rehabilitation clinic t-shirt. So like that, that just says minister of the gospel on the t-shirt there. Um, that's me. Um, we, we took a p- picture in front of this clay, this mud hut that they're building. That's mud blocks. They're starting to build that there in one of the villages. We took a picture of that just to tell everybody we stayed there. We didn't actually stay there, but, you know, it gave, gave us some sympathy points when people thought we lived there. Um, but uh, we're, we're there in Africa, and I just became a youth pastor um, at the, my, old, my old church. And, um, and I remember I was going there with one of my kids, the kid I'm, that I'm, I got my arm around. He's one of my teens in my youth group. He was like 15 at that time. And um, we're there in Africa, and our leader decides to drop us off in the middle of the street one day and say, okay, now go pray and, and talk, to the, talk to the people and, and preach the gospel. And we're like, what? And everybody felt so unprepared, like so like, wait a minute, you want me to actually preach the gospel? We're like, it is a missions trip, so I should have expected this, but I didn't for some reason. Um, it just took me off guard and we get there and that morning I had read a verse that hit me and I, I hung on to it my entire trip. Proverbs 16, one says preparation is for the heart of man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And I declared that in my life that day, I said, God, I can prepare, prepare and plan all I want to, but ultimately the answers of the tongue are from you. And so we get to the streets in Africa and everybody's kind of like hiding behind me. It was, it was, we were in groups and like my group of four is like behind me and I'm just like leading the way. And I see this guy and, um, I start talking to him, asking him if he wants prayer. And he goes on to talk about his, um, in, in South Africa, they worship ancestries a lot. Um, and so I begin to explain to him, like he begins to kind of grill me with questions about why Christ is this, why Christ is that, and why his ancestors are this. And I'm giving him answers like, real good answers. Like, and my, in my group, the, the conversation turns into like an hour or so conversation where it's just back and forth, back and forth. I, I'm not debating. I'm just answering his questions. And he's in my, the rest of my group is sitting on the ground, like watching us. And so we go through this thing. And by the end of the conversation, he said, I, I, I understand what you say. I want to pray about it because I can't, I can't make a decision today. And I, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I believe that God, the spirit's leading you somewhere. I prayed for him, you know, I I can't say that I led him to Christ that moment, but he was open to it. And he said, I think, I think there's more to this. And it was, was great. And he walked away and I turned around and the rest of my group is there. Like, including my teenager, the, the, the youth group kid, they're like, what just happened there? Like, how did you know those answers? I'm like, I don't even know what I said. I just, I trusted on God that that morning. I'm not, I'm not lying. I really have no clue how I answered those questions. Um, and the the whole trip, I began to declare over myself, God, it's your answers in me anyway, because you've called me here. You've called me here. So speak through me, speak through me, speak through me. And God did. We we did a a youth service somewhere else and I was supposed to speak. It was funny. We did two weeks of this youth service and a friend of mine spoke and there were seven kids there. Right. 
and like it was my turn the next week. I'm thinking seven kids. I got this. You know, I'm a youth pastor. Seven kids, no big deal. Get there, and there's like 75 kids there. I'm like, okay, God, answer the tongue from the Lord. And I began to preach that night. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I preached that night, and I walked. When the youth service was over, my team, my youth group kid came up to me. I don't know if this is bad or good. He goes, "Why don't you preach like that back home?" I'm like, <laughs> like, like what, what, just, what just happened? Because I realized that God called me to something, and my dependence was in how well I can prepare and plan myself. My dependence was on how He equips me, right? See, I want to show you this verse in First Corinthians chapter 1. It says this. Uh, I love this. For consider your calling, brothers. And calling there isn't like, I, lo- I love the definition of calling according to this commentary. It has nothing to do with your class, how you were born, or how much money you have is what a calling is. It has nothing to do with who you are as an individual. Considering your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. And even things that are not to bring into nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He says this, he says, your calling isn't because you were equipped or because you were of noble birth or because you were even a genius. Your calling is because you were called, because of the sanctification and the work on the cross, because of Christ Jesus, so that when, when, I, when I finished that service in Africa, I couldn't boast in what I had prepared or what I had spoke about or, or even how smart I was, because I don't even remember what I said. But what I could boast in is that the answers of the tongue are from the Lord. I could walk away there and say, God, you did something through me in that service. You spoke to me in that guy who only worshiped his ancestors. Now he's praying about who you are and he wants to know who you are. Not because of something I said, but because something you allowed me to say, because something you planned, you called me to do. See, the beauty of the gospel is that all are unrighteous and yet we have been made righteous. And the beauty of the great commission is that none of us can prepare for something that we're all called to. None of us can plan enough. And I'm not saying don't study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, doesn't it? I'm not saying don't, don't dig into the scripture. Don't just like hope that one day God will give you answers. But what I'm saying is that when God calls you something, trust that you are prepared for it. Trust that he has prepared you for it. Trust that when he says go out, you don't need to take a bag of extra clothes because he's going to prepare extra clothes for you. Trust that when he says go somewhere, don't worry about where your money's coming from because he's going to plan for it. Make sense? I think if, if we can, as a church, begin to grasp this idea that it's not just, I don't have to go to seminary to be called. I don't have to be a pastor of a church to be called, but that I am called to my, my domain. I am called to wherever God has put me. To whatever relationship I have, I am a minister of reconciliation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's exciting news. That's exciting news for us as a church. I'm thrilled if, if we begin to grasp this idea that, that we're sent out. We're sent out with nothing. 
and he, he just, he just makes it happen for us. If we can begin to grasp that, what would, what would Scranton look like? What would City Lights Church look like if we really became aware of the fact, not only are we redeemed in Christ, but we're called out and we're, we're to do something for Christ. Those two things go hand in hand with the gospel. It's beautiful. It really is. Let's pray. God, this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Father, um, so that we could be confident, not in ourselves or in our own planning, Father, but we can be confident in what you've called us to, that you, you have already prepared things for us, Father. If you called us something, you're not going to leave us stranded. If you called us to something, you will prepare the way, Father. You will accomplish exactly what you want to accomplish through us if we're obedient and we follow through. Father, help this church to be a church of people who are, who are confident in you and that we boast only in you, Father. God, that we don't wait around, that we don't sit and wait till this church has the right amount of paint on the walls or the right amount of ushers, the great people, Father, or, or that we, we've heard the right amount of Bible studies before we begin to share with that friend the gospel, Father. God, that this church would be a church that just does exactly what you put right in front of us, Father, that we answer the call, that we would be a church that recognized that we are all called to something for you that we live to glorify you and it doesn't matter on, on our own abilities or even how smart we think we are, Father. God, we trust in you as a church. We trust in you as, as individuals, Father, saying that, that we, we completely rely on you. We have nothing to boast in in and of ourselves. Jesus, we, we love you this morning. Uh, we just say, use us, God. This week, Father, I ask that you would show us areas in our lives that we are, we are called to or that we have been called to by you and we haven't stepped into, Father. God, show us how you, you have not only reconciled us through the work of the cross without anything that we could do, but you've also chose to use us without anything that we could work for, Father. You, you choose to use us, Father. You've given us this ministry of reconciliation, Father. I pray that Salem Church doesn't take it for granted. We don't sit still with, the me- with this me- message, Father. Jesus, we love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.